0: Welcome back to the Sinary Information Nexus podcast, our podcast on exploring cybersecurity and tech-related curiosities. My name is Mario Ortiz, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Joseph Hamilton.
1: Yeah, just, just wait a second, I, I need to log into my account here. No, not, not that one. Okay, no, not that password. I, I can never remember which password I used where and every password is like 30 characters long um, because, you know, it has gotta be a long password. So it, it, it takes me forever to get through all of it. So I just gotta try a couple more. No. And even with all that, I'm not sure someone isn't out there, you know, using my passwords. Uh, like, I'm, I'm afraid someone's reset my password every time that I go in to put in my password because half the time, half of them don't work. And, oh. Never mind, that that one worked. I'm good.
0: (laughs) You know, speaking about that, you know, about passwords and everything, that would be a fantastic and not in any way, shape, or form scripted subject to talk about on today's podcast. So why don't we (laughs) take a look at that, actually, how to check if your password has been compromised, how to make sure you're actually making a safe and secure password, and some other tools that will definitely help us out in this process. We're
1: joined today by one of our fellow colleagues, Hunter Isham. Um, Hunter, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, my name is Hunter Isham, and I'm one of the team leads here at Scionary. Um, I manage about 50% of our clients, and uh, my primary role is to oversee our uh, managed detection and response solution, um, assist with compliance, pen testing, and uh, minor incident response. And
0: that's about my role here. Awesome. So, What are we looking for in passwords? Let's go ahead and look at some industry password standards uh, that we've seen in the past. Some of the different information that we're going over will be in accordance with the NIST Special Publication 800-63B. And these are some of the basic recommended guidelines that organizations will implement when assigning, making sure these passwords are safe. Uh, So one of the things would be password length. The first thing is, They should be at least six characters long, six to eight characters long. Uh, They note that password length is more important than how complex a password is. Complexity meaning alphanumeric as well as special characters. Uh, They prefer passwords be longer than more complex. Uh, The other thing is to not enforce regular password changes as the more frequent you need to change your password, the more you have to think up a secure password
1: wait so so I can keep my password just as like a long phrase and not have to do a bunch of crazy special characters and I'm okay then for a long period of time is is pretty much what they're saying
0: well so there's probably some nerd math guy out there that has done the math but according to how entropy works uh, even if you had a password of all lowercase alpha characters, so just letters, uh, as long as they aren't commonly used phrases or commonly used words, a longer password will actually do you way more, way better in terms of security than having a password with capital P, ampersand, and sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, word. You know, that sounds a lot easier to remember, honestly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, the the other thing is uh, when creating these passwords, it is very recommended to screen these behind compromised passwords that have already been breached to make sure if, they're, if your password does happen to be there or if you're reusing a password, which tends to happen pretty often mm-hmm. across different accounts. Because like you said, it's way easier to remember one password for all your accounts. That is another thing that they recommend as you definitely don't want to use a compromised password for a new account. Right. Uh, the other thing is uh, the allowing of pasting these passwords and this kind of goes hand-in-hand with if you're using a password manager uh, a lot of them will create passwords that are secure for you Uh, and I don't know about you guys but sometimes if they don't allow pasting and you have to go in usually you'll create a typo somewhere and it ends up being way more frustrating right especially if you're having a password
1: that's like 32 characters long
0: or something like that (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that's one of the things that they uh, that NIST recommends, which I found that very, very interesting when I was doing my research. So
1: how would we go about really checking that our password is as secure as we think it is? Because um, I, I know I've heard of a few different things myself,
2: um, but I'm not really sure necessarily about which solution I, I like the best. Well, actually, I have a few things to say about that, so... You know, we can start with the assumption that most computer users use some kind of password to uh, log in or authenticate to some kind of system. Um, and so one fact here for you is um, compromised passwords uh, have caused about 80% of all data breaches in uh, 2019. And so this obviously is kind of large, you know, passwords are being breached all the time and whether that's due to insecure passwords, easily um, hackable and crackable passwords. I mean, the wide variety of reasons out there. Um, but this is where items such as password checkers can come in and password checkers are kind of a a gray area if I have to say Um, you see the issue with them is that they should be taken with a grain of salt because the, um, the website can actually store the user's password or the hash of that password in their own database which could make them vulnerable to a breach which could also lose you your password that you just passed to them. Right, so it's kind of like a question of uh, who, who are you actually trusting with this? Yeah, you know, who are you trusting. I mean, so, I mean, like I said, the primary function of a um, password checker is to compare the user's password or the hash of it to something in their database. And so um, a hash, uh, for those of you that don't know, is going to be a value that's uh, derived off of mathematical formula and the data that's involved there. And um, these are usually stored on the computer. So, for example, Windows stores theirs in the SAM file and Linux stores theirs in the shadow file. Um, Generally, though, we're going to have to recommend it kind of against the use of these password checkers as we don't want those passwords or their hashes going online. That's whenever people can start cracking passwords that they find and uh, associating those with the new hashes. Um, But what we might recommend in place is a service called uh, Have I Been Pwned? And uh, have I been pwned, essentially, you provide it with your email address and then it goes through and it uses your email address and compares it to current breaches and displays any of the field names associated with that breach. So, you know, I put in my email, you know, Bob at gmail.com and then it goes through its database and, you know, any breach associated with Bob or Bob at gmail.com will be flagged and everything that um, was compromised excluding the data is shown. So, you know, it tells me if, you know, the addresses were breached, the phone numbers, social security. So it just tells you like
1: the field name. Yes, exactly.
2: The description of the field.
1: Gotcha. Uh, And uh, so does that just pertain to then uh, email accounts or do they have something that will help you look up for like a username?
2: Um, I believe they also do accept usernames, although that would be a little bit more uh, non-unique as usernames can be uh, used on any Platform essentially copied across.
0: And as far as passwords go, when I input a password, how, you know, I'm I'm doing this to make sure my password isn't compromised. So why wouldn't I just input my password anyways? Because isn't it more important to check if my password is compromised or not? If
2: you're concerned about your password being compromised, um, the biggest thing of advice right there is probably to just change your password immediately. You know, if you're already fearful of some kind of breach. The best thing you can do is secure yourself right then, go into your account, force log-offs on any other account if that's some kind of option, and change your password. Changing your password will usually kick anybody else off in a lot of accounts and really allow for um, a more secure environment for you. Um, Another tool though that um, we don't really think about that much for password checking is Google Chrome.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask about that because I know there's been a little bit of back and forth on that, at least from what I've heard about how safe that actually is um, whenever it comes to Google Chrome because it's not checking it locally on the computer, it's checking it with uh, the database that Google has. Um, So uh,
2: is it safe? So yes, the Google Chrome one is generally going to be safe. Google actually told us that it's going to pass the hash of that password and not the physical password itself. So if somebody were to intercept that traffic per se, they'd be getting the hash of your password, which they would need to crack that hash in order to find the password, which would be a very intensive process with such little knowledge.
1: Does that also mean that 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 rule applies to if we do find an online password checker, if we can Mm. verify that they are only using hash values, that that's all they're passing between uh, you and their server, that that is something that we're we're more or less okay with because as long as the hash hasn't already been compromised it would still be very hard to to compromise that's
2: absolutely correct correct? um the issue is that we have to trust those websites with what they say you know there's plenty of websites out there that say you know they don't keep logs and that kind of stuff but you know one court order later and you know all of a sudden those (laughs) logs just magically appear so while websites can say that you know they're not storing stuff within their server we just don't know that a lot of the time. Um, Google's uh, can be held to a SOC 2 report. So we've been able to confirm that they only pass, pass those hashes. Right.
1: Let's say that you are uh, wanting to check your, your password um, and, and how secure it is, but you don't want to use an online solution. Um, I've actually found that password managers um, also have a little bit of that capability. But uh, we do run into the problem of, you know, that's just a check one Password. Um, I think the uh, statistic was that the average uh, user has somewhere around ninety-nine different passwords to remember. Now that's unique login passwords, right? But what oftentimes happens is people just reuse the same password for each unique login. So uh, they maybe only have five passwords they memorize used over a hundred different places, um, and uh, and with that, it makes it a lot easier to where if one entity ends up getting uh, hacked and they end up getting the passwords for for those uh, uh, users, now all of a sudden every single other entity that user has reused that password uh, and they call it uh, the the breach domino effect, um, which makes perfect sense. Um, So password managers are actually a great way of getting around that um, because with a password manager it will help you generate passwords it'll help keep the passwords securely Um, and there's a couple different ways that they work. Uh, they can work to where it's just locally on your machine. It just encrypts the data um, and keeps it in, in, in like a little, little vault on your machine. Um, and the only drawback to that is it's not easy to use unless you're just using that one machine. It's very hard to move it over to another machine. There are some that integrate a little bit to where um, they will sync information between uh, two separate devices. Um,
0: but the vast majority of those are just locally based. The other one is – sorry, go ahead. Would you say that's more safe than just leaving my passwords on a sticky note on my desk? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I can't – you know, I I don't have the best memory, and sometimes I just want to log in without thinking about it.
1: Well, and that's the other beautiful part about password managers is password managers, they are managing those passwords for you. So they have it in the vault, and the way that you access the vault is – by your one master password, right? So now, all of a sudden, you can have 99 different passwords, but you only need to remember one. And that makes it a lot easier to manage, and all the passwords that it's generating for you are going to be long, randomized strings. Uh, They're oftentimes alphanumeric, um, so they have a decent amount of complexity, but they're mainly about the length, right? Just like we discussed before. And uh, it uses the paste option, um, just like you were talking about before, Um, and so that way it will autofill, so it saves you time. Exactly. I mean, it does, does a little bit of everything whenever it comes to what you need in order to have a secure password environment.
0: And that's definitely what I thought was very, very interesting uh, as far as the, the pasting specifically when it comes to here, it's a lot easier to paste that complex, lengthy password rather than having a typo, you know, and somehow having, imagine if there's a key logger on there, mm-hmm. right? Then at that point, you're kind of you're hosed there. And password managers, honestly, the, the concept is, is beautiful you know, having secure passwords that are easily generated because I have been in that position where I'm trying to think of a new password. Uh, you know, my password is expired or it's been compromised and I get that password reset email text message and I'm just stuck there, you know, mm-hmm. minutes, hours trying to create a new password that I'm going to remember uh, that isn't just a variation of the password that just got breached. Right. And I think another
2: really great point that we can highlight here is how uh, passwords are very involved with the CIA triad, you know, between um, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. You know, you choose a very powerful, alphanumeric, strong password, you know, you're going to be very high in confidentiality, but, you know, as Mario was discussing, the availability may go down significantly if you can't remember that password or anything else like that comes up. Right, or
1: if it takes you, like, you know, two minutes to type the thing in, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, each time that you're trying to get back into your device. Um yeah, so that's definitely where password managers, they, they make your life a little bit easier because they make it quicker. They make it where you don't have to memorize as much. Um, and then in solutions that have like uh, cloud servers attached to it, they also are multi-platform, uh, uh, able to go across multiple OS uh, systems. Um, so it can make your life a lot easier uh, overall. Now, of course, the, all that is just having one point of contact, right? A single login uh, point. And uh, as we know throughout any kind of cybersecurity or security rel- uh, related enterprise, um, you never want to have a choke point, a single point of failure, right? Uh, now the standard is quickly becoming multi factor authentication or two factor authentication.
0: I personally love the idea. I think the idea in itself is fantastic from a security standpoint. I think for a lot of us, uh, it tends to be just a bit tedious, you know, I want to sign into, you know, Steam, I want to play some games, Spotify, iTunes, um, you know, I just want to get in and get the content that I'm, I'm searching for. Uh, but when you look at it, you know, having to open your email, get that email verification number or, you know, attaching a phone to it, it, you know, it can get a little tedious. But it's uh, from a security standpoint, it's fantastic. Like you said, there's not just one point of failure, so if your password you know, does end up getting breached at some point, uh, not, there will be more hurdles that that person who has your information will have to jump through, because not only will they just need your password, they will need your email or your phone number, and not only that, usually the numbers that are given to you for this multi-factor authentication tend to expire in the span of minutes.
1: So to, to give it a little bit more uh, definition, um, basically what multi-factor authentication is, um, is it's the ability to use uh, two different major factors that we look at whenever we look at a- authentication. We're looking at you know something you have, something you are, um, or uh, something you know, right? Um, And typically our passwords are just something we know. And uh, we've gotten by on that a little bit. I mean, (laughs) debatable about how well it's actually worked. (laughs) Um, But we've been using that mainly for, for our authentication methods for a very long time now. And it's becoming more and more imperative that we marry multiple of these factors together. Um, So the most uh, common one right now is something you have and something you know. So like doing a password and then having your phone along with you. And so you're able to authenticate that way. Um, But uh, it's quickly becoming something you are as well. And that's whenever biometric uh, authentication is coming in. You know, we see this with like all the phones that are using your your facial recognition now in order to be able to open up your, your phone. Um, so that's biometric authentication right there. They marry that with you know something you know like a, a password, and uh, all of a sudden you have multi-factor authentication right there.
0: And that's uh, what's really important to take away from that is, you know, we're all unique, and that's the strength of it. It's going to be very difficult to replicate someone's face, depending on how sophisticated the system is, to you know have an identical match to be able to pass that authentication they may have your password right something you know they may have your email your phone or whatever you know something that uh, you have but who you are right some who you are is definitely super important when it comes to finishing that triangle Mm
1: -hmm. Um, one thing I do want to talk about whenever it comes to uh, multi-factor authentication um, is phishing is still uh, an issue with that uh, both for your passwords but also um, uh, so it's called sim jacking um, where they're able to basically replicate your, your information for your phone and uh, then pretend to be your, your phone number. Um, and so with that, they can oftentimes uh, complete this multi-factor authentication. You know, there are a couple of different methods to get around this. Number one is just not having the phone be, be the, the mode. Um, sometimes they use email instead, like you were talking about before. But again, if they get your email account, it's the same thing. So uh, multi-factor authentication is not... Wholly secure, as everything in our industry is. You know, nothing is hundred percent foolproof. You still have to be mindful about, you know, how you're going about using these things and what you allow people to to have access to. But there is one new thing coming out, uh, which
0: is Fido. Fido, like the dog? <laughs> yeah, woof woof. Oh, okay, I got you. No, I, I think you're you're talking more about Fido, as in, uh, I believe it sensor for uh, fast identification online
1: yes yeah you're absolutely right um fast identification online um it it's building off the web often standard um, which is a web standard um, published by the world wide web consortium um, and it's a core component of a uh, fido and how fido is working the fido alliance uh, is a group um, that's uh, been put together to um, uh, both develop this and promote it and um, they have some big uh, people that have signed on uh, recently saying that they're going to dedicate themselves to implementing FIDO with all their systems. And that's Microsoft, Google, and Apple. Um, so FIDO is definitely the way of the world, or at least where it's going next. Um, and uh, part of the reason why they like it is because it could lead us to a future where passwords don't matter anymore. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not your password that makes things work anymore. It's rather uh, the FIDO system itself.
2: So FIDO primarily relies on not um, sending passwords to a centralized server. So, for example, using a private and public key on the client's device, um, they can actually authenticate that user on the end device and then just send the identity to the server then instead of passing hashes or passwords that way. Um, And so you're going to find that this is going to be a lot more secure because we're going to reduce the chances of any man-in-the-middle attacks Um, you know all the issues we just discussed with passwords those will no longer exist Um, and then at the end of the day too it's even more difficult for hackers to be able to get into these accounts because they require usually um, Fido essentially gets rid of something you know out of the multi-factor authentication so you know you have to have some kind of physical key on you you know like a USB stick for example but then you also have to have your client device like your computer um, and then between those two, I mean, unless you got mugged at gunpoint, I mean, I, I don't think an attacker is getting both of those too simply.
1: I do also want to mention that it's not just uh, something you have, uh, but it's also something you are. Um, so instead of just using the, the stick, um, we also have the ability to use like our, our facial recognition or our, uh, any other biometric uh, signature that we use in order to authenticate already. Um, so it opens up the door to making it quite simple as a user, um, which I think I think that's one of the big things that we kind of run into in this industry is you both have to educate the user, but you also want to make it as easy on them as possible, so you don't have problems like we had with the password complexity, where everyone's just making it password one two three, <laughs> but they're making the a and at sign and you know the o a zero, you know something like that. Um, so uh, you know we have to make it easy for people to be able to implement these secure um, practices, and I think FIDO is going to be a great solution for that because it basically makes it to where, oh, I just look at my phone. I can do that. (laughs) No, I
2: absolutely agree. I mean, I remember maybe a year or two ago, I was uh, talking to a colleague of mine about research and topics that came up that I was thinking about was, you know, how can we improve upon passwords with multi-factor authentication, all that kind of stuff? You know, passwords were the weak link out of it. What can we do to further improve, you know, these password strength? The conclusion we both kind of came to was that, you know, what if we just get rid of passwords? Here I am now learning about Fido. You know, it's exactly what I was thinking about. Get rid of, you know, what you know. If yeah. nobody knows what you know,
0: it doesn't matter, right? And right. And that's definitely something I think about. Uh, if you kind of look at the grand scheme of things, in a lot of different platforms, you know, like just as social media is a quick example, right? You can attach a phone to it. You can attach an email address to it. Um, but most of the time, if you do forget your password, or if there's not a way you can get in. They usually will rely on a password reset link, mm-hmm. and the password is the weakest link of them all, right? So they're using the weakest link to give you full access to an account you already lost, and so that would completely mitigate that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think Fido is definitely the best of all worlds whenever it comes to this. Um, the biggest question is just going to be how proliferate is it going to be? You know, how many is, is Facebook going to take it up? You know, wouldn't.
0: Well, I guess uh, the, the real question now is what, what's, you know, bigger bang for your buck, getting ransomware because you lost a password or implementing something like this that tends to be more secure than the standards we have now.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and, and like you said, 80% of, uh, of our breaches uh, most years, are they come from passwords. Um, and so the more we can get on securing that line, the less we're gonna see things like ransomware attacks, um, which I, you know would be great to have some reduction in that over the years.
0: Hey, I like my job security, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: another one I just wanted to take a quick mention at because I'm sure someone out there on the internet is gonna wanna bring it up, um, is a blockchain. Um, and I could not find anything that pertain to using blockchain 100% for for passwords. Um, It seemed to use it in tandem with a lot of other already established methods. Um, But I did find, uh, this was actually told to me by our uh, uh, Director of Technology here, uh, Donald LaForce, that that there's this wonderful protocol called BIP39. Um, And so, from what he what what he explained to me and from what I've read um it's basically a set of mnemonic words and uh they can take up to 24 different mnemonic words chosen from a word list of 248 words and as long as it's done randomly um the amount of uh of entropy that you get from that passphrase um is uh uh, i mean it's exponential uh, compared to what we normally uh use from from alpha-numerical passwords
0: and so that's, uh, that, that's really interesting uh because as far as if if you have a crypto wallet you know you you tend to see these as the the last stand you know as opposed to having a password reset email or a pin that you get on your phone you tend to get these gigantic strings of words mm-hmm. uh, and they're randomly generated uh, and at least I've, I've seen that with certain wallets I've used where uh, they, they kind of have the big red flag at the top, like put this somewhere secure right. because this will give you complete access. And to crack that, uh, I'm pretty sure there's some math nerd out there that will do it, but it would take you billions of years to crack it.
1: Right. And not only that, but they're easier to memorize because they're mnemonic, right? So they're, they're just words. Now, they're not necessarily associated words, but it's something that you could definitely... Uh, commit to memory a lot easier than an alphanumeric uh, uh, passcode. I, I, think, I think that's an interesting uh, take on the password uh, problem. Um, I don't know whether I would say it necessarily beats FIDO as far as ease goes, um, but it is, it is very interesting how they achieved their, uh, their entropy and, uh, and security uh, with that. So I just thought it was uh, worthy of an honorable mention today. Um, because we're seeing it a lot in the, in the, um, crypto world, um, whenever it comes to like Bitcoin and stuff like that.
0: Hey, remember Um, it's, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. And I don't know, particularly my taste would be, uh, if, if I were to interject just a quick thought is, I mean, I have an iPhone. And I'll tell you, it is glorious just to be able to look at my phone at the camera and have it unlock rather than putting a gigantic super long password. That is fantastic. And a really interesting thing that uh, I've been using as of recently, if you use Discord, um, they have this thing where you can sign in using a QR code. And I thought it was very, very interesting actually, uh, where you can scan that QR code with your authenticated app. Uh, where you actually sign specific devices to be able to administer that key, uh, hmm. so you can go to uh, a random computer uh, that does have uh, Discord on there. It will show a QR code, and once you scan it with your phone, you will get that message saying, "Hey, you know, you're trying to sign into this computer. You know, accept or decline the sign on. And if you accept the sign on, uh, you don't even have to put in a password."
1: You know, that reminds me a little bit of. The, do you? Remember, I don't think anyone does it anymore. But when, whenever you could just tap the two phones together and uh, transfer I, I information, are you oh, me you don't Is that still a thing? Yeah, I've it's, never.
2: Uh, it's called NFC, Near Field Communications. It's a type of Bluetooth. Okay, uh, but
0: all the I, uh, all the real ones will remember the bump app on the iPhone. <laughs> it's pretty
2: similar to AirDrop with um, iPhones and um, those models.
1: But obviously, it's not. It's not very secure,
2: right? Bluetooth in general um, isn't the most secure. Right.
0: All I know is So this would be like
1: a secure method that's similar to that To where I I would be able to to choose what device I wanted to send it over to And and be like okay Without having to go into my settings and turn on Okay well I want this to be active now Okay now I'll bump your phone Okay so now you have all that that, that information Instead we'd just be able to have QR codes And be able to to transfer uh, information or transfer accounts Or transfer applications even And start that entire process So I do, I, I like that, that's cool so th- that was our podcast on uh, passwords. Hopefully it gave you kind of a decent idea of uh, where to go uh, whenever you're looking for password solutions and uh, what's coming up in the future and kind of what to expect there. Again, I'm Joseph Hamilton.
0: And I'm Mario Ortiz. And I'm Hunter Aischen.
1: And thank you all for joining us on our Cyanary Information Nexus. You'll hear us next. <laughs>